This is Larry Zerner, Shelley from Friday 13th Part 3. You're on Nightmare Junkhead. Hey, genius, fuck you too. consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast a horror podcast that fully appreciated the articles in Playboy just as much as the fold-out pictorial <laughs> my name is greg d i'm genius mcgee on today's episode we're kicking off a month of summer slasher shenanigans and we're starting by heading to the east coast to deal with a local legend as we camp out for 1981's the burning and whether or not you participate in camp pranks, you can listen into our show. Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your patience hole. <laughs> and as this, yeah, I was, I was waiting. Uh, of course, uh, if you're in the AV cabin on camp, uh, you can find us out on social media. We're on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. And, of course, it is on the Book of Face where we have an events tab, which again leads to... Shenanigans! And God... So it is releasing on Friday, July 2nd. Screenland Armor, as always. They've got your genre needs taken care of indoors. Outdoors. And virtually. And on that very Friday... Yee! Our or, latest Friday Night Fright... Or should I say... Is a film that, before we started the podcast, I had only seen... A handful of times at best. Yeah. And was a movie at one time or another I really had to almost prepare myself for. And now we've seen it so many times, so many iterations. And like Beetlejuice said, and it keeps getting better every time I see it. So it, it, it truly is. It is the gift that keeps on giving and has become very much a yearly tradition at Screenland. We're talking 1974's Tobey Hooper classic, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> It's like I said, we've gone so far as we've had the uh, Jill Gavargazi on uh-huh. for a uh, commentary. It, it's just, it's almost, and I hate to say it, like a comfort blanket at this point, yeah. which is hard because it's, it's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And it's such a hot movie. But at the same time, yeah, it's, it's one of those warm blankets. Yes. Um, but and it's on the fritz because it'll give you shock every now and then. <laughs> and it hasn't been washed, so it stinks and it's really gritty. You paint a picture, my friend, that actually works. Is that not the... But it's also made out of leather. It's got that leather exterior. We hope it's made right. out of leather. Right, right, But no, I agree. It is just one of those movies that like, I, I, the more I see it, the more I appreciate it. But the one thing I love about it, every time we've shown it, mm-hmm. hosted it, done anything with it, there's always one or two newbies oh, absolutely. that get the shit scared out of them every time. It is a truly an artistic film, capital F. There are some breathtakingly beautiful shots in the movie. And there's some... If you're hungry for raspberries, uh-huh. Franklin has you taken care of. Raspberries. <laughs> also, we'd like to give a special shout-out to all of uh, us perverts that came out for last Friday Night's Fright. <laughs> uh, scene, <laughs> Basic Instinct, the 4K restoration. That was a lot of fun. You could count all the hairs on Michael Douglas's bare butt. Yeah, there was a lot. There was, a lot. <laughs> there, there was a lot. And he's just strutting his stuff. I'm telling you, 
That new V-neck turtleneck uh, thing that's got a that's a thing now. It's it, the Michael Douglas shirt. Well, and I remember seeing it as a kid and just identifying he's the old man at the club. He see, yeah, even back then I knew that he was the old person at the club. It's uh, like it's like if I try to go to the club now, as much as I'd want to. If you do, you damn sure better rock, rock that V-neck. V-neck. Yeah. As long as I can go dancing with Sharon Stone, I'll go to the club right now. In fact, actually, even if I don't have to stay, as long as it's like, like I'm not that dude. Well, shit, I'm down <laughs> with the club. Like, if I go with it, like, oh, we're here from work. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, it was, we actually had a really nice crowd and mm-hmm. turnout for that. And a number of people watching it for the first time. Yeah. And we really stretched the boundaries on uh, the horror, horror adjacent. adjacent. But at the same time, I think there was enough death and, and boobs to be had where you're like, you know, well, add a little bit more blood, and you got uh, almost a jalo, right? Well, that's we. I think we said it was Verhoeven trying to make a De Palma film, uh huh, but still doing a Verhoeven film. Yeah, and would the, you like to know more? <laughs> the horror elements for me, and even again from the first time watching it to this time, is just seeing it as a young man and thinking, "This is what you do during sex." Yeah, this is how the act is supposed. This is, and it would just frighten me. Well, going along those lines, uh, like I remember, like seeing this movie in the theater because it's basic instinct, right? It was <laughs> it was a thing, right? Sure. And then when it got when on release, I've seen it a few times. I mean, not front to back, but it's been a minute since I've actually seen it. Seen it, and what really struck me with this one is how good everybody is in it. The performances were great because I'm not gonna lie. Back when I first saw it and the subsequent viewings after that, it wasn't for the story. No, you were so, fast forwarding. Right, right, right. But then when I sat down and watched the story this time, I'm like, wow, the the side characters and the character actors. Speaking of side character and character actors, right? We both had the Rick Dalton moment where we're like, whoa, it's, it's Horace Pinker. Mitch Pileggi. I forgot. Just one of the side uh, FBI cop characters. Who comes in after shit's gone foobar. Yes. So. so It was wonderful to see. It was so many people up on the big screen. All the magical moments. Now, of course, on Friday Night Frights, if you can't make it out that Friday, there are subsequent uh, uh, viewings the following week. But on Friday, you get all the good stuff. The pre-show and our little yackety-schmackety. <laughs> right. Now, uh, some of the other repertory screenings going on this weekend at Screenland. And a couple of films that are built around complicated masculinity, genius. Mm-hmm. Two films, though, that I or love. Or the 80s. Unapologetically, <laughs> or the 80s. <laughs> We're talking uh, Top Gun. Uh-huh. Which, Lord have mercy... Playing with the boys. (laughs) Legitimately, and I cannot wait because I've got a friend that's going to be watching it for the first time. Now, put up a fight because not a fan of Tom Cruise. Okay, fucking, here's the uh, confession corner. So the first time I saw this movie was back in the theater, and I thought it was dumb as fucking shit. I was like, this movie is boring. I fell asleep during the take my breath away. Right, because one, I fucking hate that song anyway. Right, <gasps> I do. Berlin, you are, I, n- you I are never. A, you are a communist. What is wrong I with you? Never How can like you... that song? I, you know what? I'd prefer, of course. You know, I like songs like that. Fucking, what's my go-to at karaoke? The Total Eclipse of the Heart. There's just something I never liked about that song, and I never really enjoyed that movie. Watching it growing up, but watching it this last time, I think I was hosting it. It's a. It's another. That's also a good goddamn movie. 
It's ridiculous. It is pure, like, Air Force propaganda. It's stupid. It's like, it is. It's like uh, Evo Nevoyage, join the Navy, right? It's like that whole fucking thing. And listen, listen, I'm not I'm not critiquing it because I unabashedly love this film. It's a great movie. Because it has Rick Rosevich back in the day and also just an impossibly young and beautiful Val Kilmer. And it's so wonderfully corny. I got the need. The, the need, need for the speed. It's like, ah! And also, spoiler alert, it does feature one of the most painful character deaths in all of cinema. Yeah. Oh, still to this day, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it just kills me. It just kills me. And also, I enjoy that movie a lot. We were talking about Meg Ryan up on the 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 cab. What her first uh, appearance actually? Yeah, in that film. Uh huh. Hey, Goose, you big stud. That's me, honey. Take me to bed or lose me forever. Show me the way home, honey. I've seen that movie a few times. It's, it's so good. It is. It's so good. It but it wasn't ridiculous. until like for me to like, man, okay, I see what it's going for now. But it is the complicated relationship between Maverick and um, Ice Iceman, and <laughs> another film that we uh, actually did as a movie night back in the day. Uh, a, another complicated relationship between Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze. Make it do. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you got to throw in Busey. Point Break. I cannot wait to watch this again up on the big screen. Catherine uh, Bigelow. Catherine Bigelow oh. killed it with this movie. <laughs> it is so fucking good. This movie has a chase scene where a dog is literally thrown at a character. Yeah, yeah. It is ridiculous. It's crazy. It's been parodied a, a number of times. Hot fuzz. Ranks it up there the best one. So. And there's a reason, though, that we're still talking about it so many years later. And, of course, the relationship between Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze, Bodie in Utah. Mm-hmm. Where do you come out on the, are you a Bodie fan or a Utah fan? A Bodie person or a Utah person? I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Utah. I'm going to go with Utah. You are a communist. What is wrong I gotta go with, with Utah. you? He's, How he's... can you go against Bodie? He go, he, because Bodie... Goes off to uh, teach dancing later on in life. Fucking Utah, he becomes the Baba Yaga. That's fair. That's fair. I understand that course. Because he once he once see what happens is if you think about it, Point Break is like a prequel because he was the FBI agent when he was growing up. Right. He learned so much from Bodie, and then finally he goes, "Well, fuck it. I'm gonna be the best that I can." Uh, and then he becomes John Wick. I dig it. I dig it. I will, I will subscribe to your newsletter, my friend. <laughs> and if we're continuing complicated masculinity relationships here, the other repertory screening has a wonderfully scandalous love scene featuring Michael Ian Black and Bradley Cooper. <laughs> we're going to camp comedy-wise with Wet Hot American Summer. It's hilarious. It's basically the state. It, it is the state. It's it the is, state, the movie. It's the state with Paul Rudd. Uh-huh. Bradley Cooper in his very first role. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie, it's uh, with Ken Marino rocking my my jean shorts there. Elizabeth Banks, Christopher Maloney. Christopher Maloney showing his comedic chops. He's funny as shit in this movie. If you have not seen it, I cannot recommend it enough. Now, of course, if you're not ready to go indoors, outdoors on Friday the uh, 2nd, (laughs) a film that I saw in the theater. Mm Mm-hmm. Didn't watch the sequel, which just came out a few years ago, because you can't really top 1994's Independence Day. Oh, welcome to Earth. Pop. 
No, you, I haven't seen the sequel yet either. Uh, and it's got Micah Monroe, who we're all big fans of. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know. Anyway, anyway. On then on Saturday, if you're not one, if you don't want to get the Need for Speed indoors on July third, Top Gun will be playing outdoors as well. Ooh, I think that'll be quite good. Now, of course, if you would like to continue to support Screenland and you're not in the area, all you need to do is become a member of their film family. Uh, you can head over to Patreon.com/Screenland, where they have a number of tiers. And again, um, if you do subscribe, you will have access to our Shutter shoutouts. In fact, our latest one is going to be coming up on July 30th. Now, mm-hmm. we have not decided on the theme or the double feature yet. But it's going to be good. And it will be streaming on Shutter. Now, of course, uh, a genius if we're talking Patreon and film family. Hey, bellies. We are, of course, well a year into exclusive Patreon content. And I would like to give a little shout out to some of the film family members that were at Basic Instinct. Mm-hmm. Uh, good to see Jesse, Chad, and Diana, mm-hmm. and Dustin as well, of course. Uh, and all of us had hands above, hands in the air during all the scenes. It was like an Arrested Development episode. Yeah. <laughs> no touching. No touching. Now, I will say, uh, here in the month of July, the commentary that we're going to be releasing, and that's one of the tiers that we offer here, mm-hmm. I know for you... It's going to be tough not to sing the song the entirety of it. Yeah, it, well, it's going to happen at the beginning, but that's it. It's not It's not a Rocky Horror. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's no. not Rocky Horror. And now, what is that particular film? Well, we're not quite releasing it yet. Our patrons don't know, so you're not mm-hmm. going to know. But guaranteed, it is something you should hopefully be interested in. And if you would like to become a member of our film family, head on over to patreon.com slash nightmarejunkhead where we do indeed have a tier, everything from a squiddly diddly to another time. Another place. And we are going from one of my favorite themed months we did last. Kaijun was mm-hmm. freaking fantastic. We're scaling it down. Ha! I like that. <laughs> I like that. Well, we wanted to do another theme, and a few, probably a few years ago, we did a summer of slashers. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about it again, and we're like, well, you know, July is always just super hot. It's nasty outside, and just it's the dog days of summer. And we realized, well, you know, we did a summer of slashers, but what like summertime slashers? Right, summertime slashers. That'll work, of course. Yeah, it works. that's the ticket. <laughs> so here in the month of July, we are going to be focusing on summertime slasher films. And quite I fucking honest, love slashers. Well, of course. Who doesn't love slashers? Quite a few people, That's believe true. it or not. You know, and That's again, true. I get that. I get that. But I'd like to think at least the movies that we're going to be watching offer something a little bit more than a slasher, mm-hmm. especially the film we're talking today, because you could take the slashing out of the movie. And you would have summer camp shenanigans. You'd have a competent summer camp movie. Uh-huh. Indeed. But I think the main criteria for the most part for this month, ideally, has to be in the summertime. Right. In the uh, summertime, while the weather is high, you can see the bodies touch the sky, and the blood flows, and we love being killing all the time. Goddamn. That should be a karaoke jam. Yeah, what happened? I, I just kind of, yeah, I was like, where, where am I? Where am I? And technically, it could be set in a camp, the backwoods, the city. It does have to be hot. And it has to look hot. has to look hot. Yeah. So we should see potentially some... Cut off jean shorts. Mm-hmm. Oh boy! Of well, course, of course, this would, wouldn't be summer camps or summertime slashers without like 
odd attire, whether it be like the midriffs, I'm going to break out the mesh shirt, you know. And I actually own a midriff mesh shirt that occasionally I do wear with the cutoffs. That's true. Yeah, that's that true. first time we did Sleepaway Camp, my apologies to anyone in, out there that saw that. Uh, but the film that we're going to start with is a film that is te- celebrating its 40th year of horror, a film that was on our honorable mentions mm-hmm. for this year's Into the Mouth of March Madness, and a film that was technically one of our Friday Night Frights. Yeah. We're talking 1981's The Burning. Cropsy, the legend of Cropsy. And in the same year, we also had another film that we did talk about in Into the Mouth of March Madness mm-hmm. that was also initially built around the legend of Cropsy. Cropsy is all over the year of 1981. It's yeah. kind of crazy. In it's the fact, the year of Cropsy. Well, do you, well, 1981 was the year of slashers, but let's start with Cropsy because mm-hmm. this is a film built around an urban legend that often really isn't credited as an urban legend kind of film. Right. Uh, were you familiar with Cropsy at all? No, I wasn't. Growing up, I wasn't familiar with it, and I think because it was a regional boogeyman. Yes, it yes. was a East uh, Coast. Yeah, Northeast Coast. Staten Island, I think. Yeah, it was like the New York, upstate New York, all that New Jersey area version of the Boogeyman. And apparently he was kind of like a real guy. And there's a whole this really cool documentary on the actual Legend of Cropsy that was made, I think, in 2012. And it's called Cropsy, maybe Mm -hmm. 2009. But it's about the legend, and it talks about the burning, and talks about... um, what actually happened, and it goes to the actual location that it's supposed to have taken place, the old abandoned estate asylum. Yes, and yeah. if you're building an urban legend, yeah, because there's not? really an insane asylum there, so yes. like, and the, the, it and lends itself to the creepy old timey folktale because it happened on a night just like tonight. And see, you can even go over there and see it really happened there. It's one of those great ones, like Sour Castle. I am not familiar with Sour Castle. You haven't is, heard of Sour Castle? I have not. It's the local haunted house here in... in oh. It's off in Merriam. It's like an actual haunted house. Now, like, is that the one that's one of the seven gateways to hell? Because that's in Shoal, that's Kansas, in Shoal, right? Kansas, or Stoll. Stoll, Kansas? There uh-huh. we go. No, no, no. This is just a crazy-ass haunted house. It looks like a castle. Like a little girl in the Victorian times fucking hung herself there. All that cool old urban legend shit. I was not familiar. Yeah, look it up. It's like... Cool. Like I said, we can go... I'm not going to say tonight. Fuck no. all that noise. But it's not far from here. Interesting. So, yeah. Might have to get a, a snapshot, potentially. Ooh. Well, no, it's and, spooky. It's spooky looking, and there's dogs. Oh, there are dogs? Mm-hmm. Wild dogs? No, no. Like, somebody bought it. There's, like, there's going oh, through a whole actually, bunch of legal shit. Okay, so we, would we be taking a chance? Yeah, that's why we're not going to do it. Okay, that's We're going to drive by and, like, like, look, there it is, and there then it keep is. on fucking going. If we get a flat, we're going to risk it. We're just going to keep well, on going. Well, here's the thing. That means we're not taking Jill with us. Because if you recall in the Texas Chainsaw commentary, she, she's all kinds of game for that kind of scandalous stuff. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh, you are just... Yes. No, it's not going to happen with us. But what I also like with the urban legends and those is they serve as cautionary tales. Mm-hmm. If you do this, then this is going to happen to yeah. you. If you do this, Cropsy's going to get you. And the fact that they instilled that Cropsy took these kids back to the, the abandoned uh, mental facility with the underground tunnels. Uh, some of the stories I read with Cropsy, he had a hook hand. Because why wouldn't you? And then that led on 
that one I'm more familiar with with like the two lovers on Lovers Lane. And uh, yes, there's a hook on the end, kind of like in the that. movie Urban Legend. And also with, in Night of the Creeps, they kind of incorporated that. There right. are ways that you can always incorporate these into the films, into your mythos, and like like I said, every region has that boogeyman or the mm-hmm. urban legend. Um, I think I've mentioned it before here. When I was younger, my cousin's dad, his name is Chuck, and I'll curse that name forever, had me convinced that in a barn, not two houses down from me, housed a werewolf by the name of Yellow Eyes. And I cannot tell you how many times I saw Yellow Eyes outside my window night after night, and it terrified me until I was at least... Like what was uh, like last week for the most part? <laughs> like it was horrible because I was one of those kids, and I think that's why I was always drawn to horror films. Is I enjoyed being scared, but man, when you threw it into the real world and you threw it and watching all those movies mm-hmm. in the back of my mind, I I know Yellow Eyes isn't real, but in the back of my mind, there's that little bit that's like, dude, it could be right. Exactly, it, like. Do you want to chance going outside to retrieve something? You care to roll the dice with this one, for example? Like we, I didn't have any specific boogeyman that I was afraid of, you know, and I because I knew that the her urban legend of the hook hand wasn't real. But I had my own like urban legends, like mm-hmm. that, like if I stay in a shop when the lights go off, then the mannequins come alive and they take me away. And so that kind of shit always freaked me out more so than like. Um, the calls coming from inside the house, right. you know, because I was like, oh, well, it's my time to go. It's time to go. But at the same time, I don't want to get killed by mannequins or I don't want to, you know, so like I'd rather take my chances with a psycho axe murder than a fucking fleet of mannequins. That's that's good money, actually. Again, you've seen Tourist Trap. You right. know how these things work. Yeah, they start with the eyes and I don't want that to happen. So, Well, it's funny. Again, I talk about how every region has their own little thing. It's funny for me because our the main killer in the burning's name is Cropsy. Mm-hmm. But really, if you look at the M.O. of Cropsy, it doesn't really fall in line with the one that we're seeing on the East Coast. It's almost right. like just a name only. Yeah, it's just like, let's have a killer who got burnt and he got fucked up. So there's and, name recognition right? behind it. So it's like, it's Cropsy. Yeah, okay, yeah. cool. It's just like um, when they start saying like Annabelle. We all know it's like whatever. They can make it a raggedy Ann doll. Like, oh, it's the curse of the killer doll. It's the, you know, Annabelle. Like, oh. So it's the power of the name. Yeah. For the most part. Branding. Well, <laughs> and I mentioned that because being familiar with kind of the legend of Cropsy and looking into that, rewatching it again, it's like it just really doesn't. They're no, not one of it's the nothing. Same. And even no. the other movie that was based on the legend of Cropsy, Madman Mars, not has a- nothing to do with no. anything. The only fact is that they all snap one day and kill people. Yep. No mo. There's no like vengeance aspect. It's not because he's crazy. It's in in this movie. It's because yeah. he's vengeful. Yes. But at the same time, he's not this hook-handed wielding psychopath that drags kids to their death. No. He just just he just kills them and like revenges yeah. his camp. Well, and the the movie does start with shenanigans gone wrong, <laughs> which. I know you're a fan of uh, summer camp shenanigans. Yeah, I love me some camp shenanigans. And there was a lot of shenanigans. Well, th- I mean, this... <laughs> not not sleepaway camp level of shenanigans, because those no. had instant r- ramifications. But these films would definitely pair well with each other. This would play well with meatballs, too. Yes, it would. And it's because of the fact that you do take away Cropsy from this film. 
you have meatballs, mm-hmm. you have wet hot American summer, and that's I think a strength to this film that those summer camp shenanigans do work so well, and I think that's also one of the reasons why it holds up. But also, it's very much a film that not a lot of people have seen. Yeah, I think it remains one of the underseen slashers. Yeah, no. If you look at the pedigree of the film, the fact that you have Tom Savini special effects, mm-hmm. you have so many before they were stars, stars in yeah. this one. You, uh, Holly Hunter, uh, Fisher Stevens, and of course, boom, 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 boom. Jason Alexander. But before we get into Jason Alexander, we can lock it. One person, you know, who did the music. His name was uh, Rick. Wakeman, and he is one of the members of the band. Yes, really. Yes, I can well, hear correct. that. Aha! <laughs> no, I can hear it because it's very synth heavy. It's memorable. Well, and again, in the slew of slashers from '81, you had to try to kind of differentiate yourself as much as you could from mm-hmm. some of the other ones out there. So the summer camp setting was good. Uh, the fact that, and let's just go ahead and address this now. This was the very first film that the Weinsteins did. Yes. So looking back now, there is that veil of griminess on it. Especially because he wrote it. And when we look at some of the characters in this movie and some of the scenes with those characters. Right. I'm not saying that, you know, you can kind of tell that this dude was, you know, scummy from the get go. But eh, yeah, let's just say there are some telltale signs there. Uh, the We've got with Jason Alexander. Not only do we have him. We got his old hair. We got his quaff. And he looks good in this movie. <laughs> now, he is also kind of playing the Bill Murray character. Yeah. He's playing the 17-year-old when he's clearly 24. You know, the only one who looks even remotely young in this one that's supposed to be, like one of our main characters, is Fisher Stevens. Yeah. And and this is a young Fisher Stevens as yeah. well. This is... Thankfully, this is well before he went and did some is, questionable stuff in Short Circuit. Yes, this is before he had a Short Circuit. It was like, oh, oh my goodness gracious Another me. time, another place. Yeah, it is. Well, do you want to go ahead and talk about like uh, the the Grazer, the, the character of Grazer? Oof. Or the character that uh, Brian Backer plays, uh, Alfred? Ugh. Yeah, so our, our so normally okay, so normally our main villain there's got to be a, there's got to be a jerk at the camp. You're gonna have some bullying, the bullying going on because that's that's the fucking '80s. That's right. what happens at summer camp. I guess I never fucking went. I'd never been to camp. I had no desire to go to mm. camp. Even when I was young, they're like, "Hey, you want to go to camp?" Nope, I'm good. Too I'm close good. to the wilderness and open water. Right. I'm why, why the fuck would I want to go out in the wilderness with a bunch of kids being and like the adults are kids too. So. <laughs> You know, plus I've seen, yeah, I've seen enough slashes to know that is not for me. I go to like Camp Chud. Anyway, (laughs) so you got the bullies with Glazer. Not only is he a bully, but he's an asshole. And I love that he gets his comeuppance multiple times in this. Oh, via shenanigans, via his own undoing. Yeah, and we'll get to that in a minute because that was fucking hilarious. That was good. And like just due to being fodder, but. The hero we're supposed to root for because there was no like real rules of the final girls or anything like no. that. No, like sins of the habit because it's fucking in the beginning of the slashers. They were still trying to figure out, well, okay, what to do. So to have your main hero, your protagonist, your somewhat audience surrogate be a fucking creep and it shows because like there's a lot of shots from his perspective from like it's like creep cam. 
There's a it, and that and I'm talking. I'm not talking about Cropsey. No, I'm it's, not because ta- you know you know it's Cropsey looking because it's got the POV with like the Vaseline around the edges to make it look like. Bleh. And meanwhile, you got fucking Alfred the pervert bleh, looking in the showers and like watching girls with no bra play baseball slow motion, slow motion, mind you. What we don't get with an uh, eat shit and die kind of a uh, thing with a no. uh, sleepaway camp, it still plays creepy. It's just like, man, and like, and then the next thing it is a shower scene, and again he's there like <laughs> creeping from just afar, being cre- not even from afar. He was no, almost pulling really a psycho up, yeah. in the shower scene, and like it's just like okay. Because it's the 80s and you got to have gratuitous nudity because that's what you do in slasher movies. And mm-hmm. so, like, you know. But, like, the camera just leers on that shower scene it, from, like, up angles, from, like, fucking Dutch angles and shit. Like, from Dutch angles to Brazilian because you're like, what the fuck? Take it easy there, cameraman. You're, what are you, Alfred? And so then, like, because you're supposed to be Alfred in that exactly. one. Exactly. So it's kind of hard to, like, it's a charming camp. Um, movie when it's with the side characters because even yes. though they're all trying to get laid and shit, it's still like the girls are like just giving it right back to the boys and and they're having a ball and nothing nothing ill. They're not like committing super super tragic horror sins, you know. They're just being kids. They're, they're not kids. even being the kids in sleepaway camp when they're coming out of the water and the kids just start throwing sand on them. <laughs> Those fuckers deserve to die. But anyway. They're not even being that levels of assholes. They're all, for the most part, everyone is good, good natured. Yeah, yeah, they're good natured kids just having good shenanigans, except for Glazer. And yep. he gets my lubricated condoms. Where's my lubricated condoms? The fact that you have with Jason Alexander being the guy that you know brings in the contraband. There's he's always the guy. Yeah, he's, he's the Belushi. He's the Murray, like you said. He's the <laughs> big fat party animal that gets shit done with minus the Hawaiian shirt. Right. But he still was like the the hey that shenanigans hey there ladies how about can I get you anything spermicide eh, eh, eh. or like walking into a room almost like a Rodney Dangerfield mm-hmm. in the mess hall you got to have a good mess hall scene you got to yeah. have a gathering in the mess hall check that off really mm-hmm. well uh, the fact that he brought in multiple versions of pornography <laughs> the classy Playboy then they brought what are you in- doing with we we doing with we eh? okay. Oh boy! So <laughs> back in they the, don't know about we. There back, was levels of porn. Yes, there were. And there again, were. back in the the pre-internet days and the one one zero days, it was just like I I remember that. It was like, <laughs> oh, that's fancy. Uh huh. Or it was fan. It was low class fancy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It just sounded fancy, like like <laughs> fancy shredded cheese. It's still like the shit they skim off the bottom of the vat, but at the same time, ooh, it's fancy. It's European. Marketing and branding does mm-hmm. go a long way in convincing us that it's just not what it should be. And I agree. We, I, we and swank. <laughs> swank. Oh, Jesus Christ, that is awful. <laughs> now we're now you're getting like to the uh going to like the, the truck stops out there where you would see like the no, we're, hardest. We're pulling a cropsy because what's the first thing he does after he gets kicked out of the hospital? He goes, goes to forty second street. This is very true. And just like slaughters a prostitute violently. Violently, violently, brutality. That portion of the film is one that I always forget about because it does take you so far out of the camp shenanigans. Yeah, you're in the middle of 42nd Street. and He's I think, running into Belial and Dwayne on the street and shit. Well, I think that's also just kind of a reminder of the East Coast 
origins of the film. Well, it also could be like fucking Weinstein saying, hey, add more sex and death. We need about 10 more minutes. I would not be shocked with that at all. Because they were known, especially... Especially the, the early 80s. Well, and also in the 90s when they were kind of growing to prominence, that they were, uh, like with Halloween, um, uh, uh, The Curse of Michael Myers. Yeah. That's why they have the producer's cut. That's why the theatrical cut, the the, little, the theatrical cut is the way it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, their version, basically. They wanted more gore. They wanted more mayhem. And that's that, Hollywood. That's the Hollywood cog. I mean, yeah. It's just like, especially in the 80s, because like, that's well, what it, it was known for. Because this movie was, was a fucking video nasty. It was one of the first. It, it was. was a first rounder. It was, actually. I remember that. And when you had... The label of a video nasty. Oh, that just instantly made your mark, your your brand skyrocket. Oh, forget Get about that it. Pizzazz. That's a badge of honor. Yeah, it is. And of course, I, what I love the fact though is we do have some really good Savini special effects in this one. There's great ones. But he also, in the year of 1981, not only did he do effects work for the burning, but he also did the effects work for the Prowler. And he declined to work on Friday the 13th Part 2 famously as well. Now, he declined because he thought it was stupid. He he, goes, Mrs. Voorhees is dead. Jason's a kid. Yeah. He did that whole, like, as his fans say, like, okay, how the timing, that doesn't make sense. But for most of us, we're like, okay, we'll go with it. We'll go with it. Savini was like, nah, that's stupid. That's stupid. And speaking of Savini, so what's interesting is he has Mrs. Voorhees' hands, mm-hmm. right? Because he played when his head gets. Uh, I think no, I think that was uh, the, his. No, that other, was his friend. Uh, uh, what's his? God damn it, the Greek man. St- uh, Stamos. Yeah. Stop. Stopolos. Stopolos. There we go. Stopolos. Um, Stamos. <laughs> no, but he had he did something with Vor- for the, some of the kills. Yeah, I know he, he was, did. He did the right. chopped it off, and he was also the legs of Cropsy when he got burnt. Yes, that's right. So he's almost like a horror Frankenstein. Yeah. Well, he's a horror gymnast. He is a such a jack of all trades. There is a really good Savini documentary out oh, that there. That smoke and mirrors is rad. It's really good. It just shows you how he does take himself very seriously as an artist, which I appreciate because he is an artist. He's gone through some shit about it too. Oh yeah, he has. Yeah, yeah, he has. And the effects work in this, you don't really get all the gruesomeness until the canoe set piece. Because this is a slow burn slasher. It is. It is. This is almost if you took the cropsy, if you took the prostitute scene out, you could almost and have less POV. You could have one of those whole like summer camp slash or summer camp movies, comedy movies, mm-hmm. and then totally forget that there's a killer in the woods, and then the last third of the act, bow, whoa, you know? like where'd that come from, right? Because it does play almost like two movies because you have the shenanigans and then you have like. Cropsy and creep cam. But that's the reason why I think I enjoy the film so much is it does offer more than just your standard slasher fare. Mm-hmm. And I think if you ask a lot of people if why they don't dig slashers, I think this is one that you could point them to because there is enough like this in Sleepaway Camp. There's enough, I think, outside of the killing and the horror that is truly entertaining that you're like, oh, this isn't a bad watch at all. And I think the novelty of seeing young Holly Hunter, Fisher Stevens, Jason Alexander, mm-hmm. all of these people... Back in the day when they were so young, the fact that so many stars got their starts in horror yeah, and how a lot of them have turned their backs on it 
But some of them have embraced it and said, of course, that's where I got my start. I'm so thankful for that. Because they're still fans of the genre, too. Oh, thankfully. Thankfully. Yeah. Now, Brian Backer, who does play Alfred, I think a lot of people know him primarily as the other guy in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Uh, he was also one of the skateboarders in Police Academy 4, Citizens on Patrol. The one that gave Bobcat grief? Yeah. <laughs> it's him and David Spade. They were the little skateboarder kid, the toughs. <laughs> so he's got an interesting presence in 80s films. And even after he's creeping, when he starts getting stalked by Cropsey, his awkward running... He's just lanky. He's, he's so, so uncoordinated. It's like his body's made of slinkies. It was awkward to watch. Yeah, it was. And it's one of those things that's bothered me from the first time <laughs> I watched this to when I think we Because he's just an awkward creep. I yeah. mean, like, you know, you want to, like, sympathize with him because he's being chased by a killer. Right. And aside from the creeping, he's just been a camper. But the fact that he is creeping and you're just like, and he won't stop creeping no like he's being warned at this point multiple he's a habitual lot creep stepper right because like what's the first thing that he does after like the girl gets in the shower and then okay let's go camping right when he sees glazer and her and sarah go off what's the first thing he does and he's not even that good at creeping it's good thing that they were already sexed up and stupid because if they just looked behind him they'd five feet away there's fucking awkward creep slender man in the, in the fucking forest with a pair of binoculars ready to peep and i'm just like dude dude you should get killed by cropsy that's the thing a lot of the times with slashers you're rooting for the slasher to kill everyone because for the most part they're very paper thin characters they're created to die with this one because i didn't the time want to see spend, half them die no but the ones that you were kind of rooting for spoiler alert you know he he makes it in the end in fact technically he gives them the the axe in the end. Yeah, like it's he's our final girl. <laughs> he's our survivor for our it. survivor. Yeah, let's talk really quickly here. Garden shears as your weapon of choice. Controversial, so bold, so unique, so practical though. <laughs> the only other more practical weapon would probably be like one of those bladed crowbars, because oh, like. Yeah. Because that had form and functionality. Because he could do multiple things with the. Uh, he could use it as a razor's edge. He could use it. He's and he's used it as a stabbing instrument. Mm-hmm. He's used it as a blunt instrument and as a chopping tool. So it's form and function. It's like a Swiss Army slasher tool. It is. It's like it's all purpose. It's an all purpose killer. Well, it's because just... with machetes like a la Jason or like butcher knives a la Michael. Yeah, you can't. You can't really. It doesn't have that chopping factor because when he chops people's like thoraxes out and fing- fingers, fu- oh. finger Stevens, when he uh, <laughs> chops them off, right? <laughs> then like, it's great. It's a great scene, and it's let Savini play. And I think that's why that scene is the absolute like this. Like, here's the main course. It because, is the payoff. Yeah, because the body count is ten. And out of that, five is in the raft. Right. So it is a definite slow burn. It's just one of those, like, surprise. Because right before it, you get that... Fun and canoe shenanigans. Right. Because um, they had no idea there was a killer. No idea none. until Cropsey started killing off people at there. That one night. Yep. It's like, oh, shit. It's not like they were warned or, like, Jason's out here or, like, they've seen it. Because, 
Like Jason's killed over a couple of days. This happens like boom, boom. Like well, hey, surprise! Talk about the boom moment because the boom moment combines the garden shears, Cropsey, the patience of Cropsey, Finger Stevens, all those things. It is the set piece that you get people to go. This is what we're watching for. It's this, you know, it's to mm-hmm. showcase Savini's work. And you get some of the greatest hits with Savini, too. You get kind of a callback to where you could basically... The Kevin Bacon? Yeah. Yes. And I love that. Now, I will admit this one, I think they got the angle a little wrong with the neck. But it was so quick. Yes. Where you're like, all right, that works. And the you cuts. Don't have to- you don't have time to really be that critical. The you editing know? cuts. The, yeah. the cropsy cuts. All the things that the are happening cuts. is incredible. Mm-hmm. And this is where, when we talk about having the patience of cropsy... But the sheer image... Sheer? Sheer? The sheer image of when Cropsy springs out and the sun is just right there. It's great. Actually, that's not the person who was um, playing Cropsy who did that. That was the director because he was pissed because the guy couldn't get it just right. He goes, no, no, no. You need to do it like this. You can't. Tony Malum did that? Yeah. So he goes, here, let let me do it. And so he did it himself, got the right angle right, and it fucking works because that is a great iconic image and i'm pretty sure that's an i've seen that for people when they think of the burning when they, they think go, of oh, slashers yeah, yeah when they think of slashers they're yeah. like oh, guy with scissors you talk about and he kind of showcases all the things that the garden shear does yeah chop blunt there's the slice slice the, the forehead slice that's cool oh that was always bothered good me slice too oh my god it's just it's wonderful and again the patience of cropsy how long was he in that canoe? Hours. Had to have been hours. And you can imagine, do you think he could hear them coming? And do you think he was just like so excited? He's like, oh, God, they're almost here. They're almost here. I'm going to do like, it. I'm going to do it. He's like, <laughs> trying to compose himself. And then when like, oh, or, or like all of a sudden he decides to take a nap because like, oh, they're still building the raft. And then he hears him coming. And, and then you see him running and time and a half. <laughs> but yeah, no, I can just picture him so excited, and he's just sitting there inside of the canoe, yes. just giggling, just like, this is gonna be great, you know, and just like, like a fucking schoolgirl, just so excited. He's got his hand over his mouth and everything. I'd like to think that somewhere out there, there's a like a, a Zen koan that's like you know attributed to the patience of Cropsy, because that's where it comes from. Is you can be that patient. Mm-hmm. And then get that payoff. Ah, it's fan freaking tastic. Yeah, just everything in that scene works. Uh, uh, Lou David playing Cropsy. Uh, the fact that they had some issues with when you see him with the fa- the face melting, he looks more melty than Bernie. Burn. Yeah, you know, he yeah. looks like he looks more like Emil from uh, RoboCop. I can see that. I can see that, but, but like a pink version. But it still works. But it for works because he looks cool. I mean, he's like, yeah. well, it's it's scary looking. Yeah, it's distinctive. Mm-hmm. Again, it is. It separates it from the others out there. But here's going back to another iconic kill, and I think this is an iconic kill for a different reason. It's after he kills Sarah, and Glazer's going to get his comeuppance. Mm-hmm. It's a great kill. However, I've heard multiple people the first time they like seen it was like, what was up with that kill? She's supposed to be sleeping in the bed, but then when he flips over the bed, the hand comes at a different angle. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And like that means Where... you had to have been standing right there waiting for him to flip over and just have his hand under there, like Jennifer Lopez, you know, just waiting for just <laughs> see, that's all right. It's all right. <laughs> You're right. 
we it, might got it in share keys and just like because i i think that's when like people are like wait what right well also though i think if you maybe this is a uh, ideally an exercise in dispensation yeah, of disbelief yeah but it's one of those things though where, log- where when your mind takes over logically it's like oh come on man right yeah. but it was great cuz right after glazier he was talking the whole movie, talking shit. I'm like, yo, move. First of all, I'm, nobody, nobody accepts no in this fucking camp. Oh, again, yeah. There's this some is issues this is definitely this Camp Weinstein. Yeah, because like multiple times, like when they're going skinny dipping and we get a fucking full frontal shot, right? Then like it's first of all, you're like, oh shit, they went there. Second of all, like and then he's like, well, then what else you come here to do for? Get out of here. And that's not even Glazer. That's yeah, one of the ones who were like, oh, okay, he seems like an okay counselor. He's just a fucking kid or something. And then we get to Glazer, and that's what's the great comeuppance, because he's like, you're more fucking sex is real good. And the whole time, he's like, hey, come on. I'll say it'll be the best 20 minutes of your life. He I'll is s- talking such a game. With my lubricated condoms. And he's, he's just talking mad shit. And then finally, when she's like, no, well, I don't know, probably not. Um, I said no. Okay, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So then it's like, yeah. oh, I swear, bitch. And, and she goes, is that it? And I, that when got we, a laugh. That got a huge laugh in the oh, theater. That got a laugh from me then. And probably still like, ah, that's what you get talking shit, you know? That's the kind of comeuppance you want with the creep and the bully. You Before know, again, he gets killed, the, oh, and right, he gets the one, the the one to the throat, and and it's, or is it the no, lift it's, up? It's it's the lift up it's, and then pinned to the tree. That is because it, okay. what was cool about it is he didn't go flush with the tree. There's that gap. If you look at it, yeah. there's that gap where you just see the blade through the tree, and I'm like, that is a that's great cool. touch, Savini. And that's the kind of stuff you get with Savini. It's those little subtle things mm-hmm. that make it that much more effective like the burn arm yeah. at the very beginning that burn arm jump scare when he's like man you need to check this shit out Ooh. this burn is wild and i'm like for being an orderly in the you're, burn unit you're fucking insensitive you more know of a disorderly ah uh, but they're not the fat boys not so it doesn't count boys. right and he goes man if you're gonna be a doctor you gotta learn to look at this sick shit this guy is toast and i'm like First of all, that's rude because he's probably still like, I can hear you guys. <laughs> so then, so might I, be burnt. I'm not deaf. So that's why he fucking fucked with them. Like, man, like, Rah! and that jump scare. First of all, that was a good jump scare. It still works. You saw it coming, but at the same time, it, and it was good comeuppance because again, talk shit, get hit. <laughs> but just to see like the whole chart aspect, it was really good. And then you're like, oh, this is a Savini movie. Yep. It's that, yep. like you said, it's that detail yep. that he brings. It's a Savini flick through and through, mm-hmm. and. It's a summer camp flick through and through. It's a fun flick through and through. Again, I've just enjoyed being able to kind of introduce people to it, mm-hmm. but also give it in the moniker that, yeah, this is still a film that is 40 years old, and it was made in the early 80s, so you have to just anticipate certain things. Uh, other thoughts as we kind of maybe close out on The Burning? Um, there was that one... <laughs> it's kind of goofy. <laughs> when they're, um, he's looking for the reveal... And at the, uh, at the, everybody's in the mine shaft, and he's looking at the bodies. How they used that one freeze frame from the other kill earlier, oh, when yeah. she stuck to the tree, and it sticks out like a sore fucking thumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is not <laughs> the best slasher, no. but at the same time, it's definitely one of the greats. And I think what makes it one of the better ones is because you actually 
do care for the camp counselors. You do. You're engaged in the story because they seem like, aside from the creep and the bully, sure. everybody else seems like good, lighthearted folk. You know, even though they're using what airsoft guns to shoot the bully in the ass. That's perfect, right? When he's peacocking in front of all the ladies, like, "Hey, so about you and me." Go out to the uh, dunes later on, but all the girls are like, "Boo!" Right? Just giving him shit. And then what's the next thing? Well, because then he pushed the creep into yep. the river or into the lake, and, then and Jason he can't Alexander, swim. They had to save him. Yeah. First of all, fuck the... that. Fuck that. Fuck that. At that one time, I felt bad sympathy for the creep because, like, as you a person that? who doesn't know how to swim, that is the most terrifying fucking thing. Yeah. That's why I don't even like to go on docks, just in case somebody's gonna be like, "Yep." There's know? a blazer out there with your name on it. Right. Yeah. Right. So, no, I think this is definitely one of the better examples of what a early slashers can be. I think so. I think you you apply the formula, the standard slasher formula, but then you add in the summer camp tropes, you add in some characters you care for, and again, I'm glad you said it. It is not the best slasher film, but it's one I think deserves a wider audience, mm-hmm. and here in the summer, it's the perfect kind of movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This would be good with, like, uh, Sleepaway Camp. But I also think it would be good with um, Black Christmas. Just the whole yin and the yang of it. I'd work with that. I'd go with that. I don't know why. It's one of those ones that, like, this movie is growing on me. This is almost might be, like, it's not quite the Texas Chainsaw Massacre of Slashers because that's (laughs) Halloween. Yeah. Because I think we've like one year we saw Halloween or Hosea so like, like six times in one year. Six, six times! times! So, <laughs> but definitely I think this one just creeps up on me a little bit more and more every time I watch it. I agree. I agree. Yeah. And there's a great uh, Scream Factory Blu-ray out there that you can pick up. It's what we actually, uh, I know I actually own it. Me uh, too. Again, for all the good stuff out there. Mm-hmm. And speaking of good stuff, I know next week's film is going to be a first time watch for you. Mm-hmm. And I'll just say it. It was a first time watch for me this year. Uh, was part of the I've Seen That Challenge for me. I cannot wait. I think you're going to really, really enjoy it. Uh, now, what that is, you're going to have to wait out until next week. So, uh, final thoughts on The Burning There, Genius? Uh, no. Uh, Banjo Canoe. Banjo Canoe. That's my final thought. I yeah. liked that one. I don't know why, but I, I couldn't even help. I think it was in the theater, and I like, dun, 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 dun. My toaster. I was just waiting for like a dog or like counselor flowers. The kids are stuck. The kids no. are going to behave. Those goddamn teens going to be the goddamn death of me. You know, that's the only thing that was. We didn't have like the crusty cook or like the dirty janitor. Wait till next week, my friend. Wait till next week. So until next week, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you in your dreams. Bye.